0: Hey there, friends. Welcome to a very special episode of Chatology. These are your hard good stories. So, a few weeks ago, you probably remember I interviewed my great friend Lisa Whittle about her brand new book, The Hard Good. It just released, and so I picked 10 lucky winners who I wanted to give away a copy of The Hard Good to. These are their stories, these are your stories. So as listeners, they sent in their own stories of how God has brought good out of the very, very difficult and hard places of their lives. So I hope that this episode inspires you just as much as it has me. I have loved hearing these stories, and I am even more in awe of the God we serve So our first hard good story today is from listener, Sarah Butterfield.
1: I was seven years old when my parents became career missionaries, moving our family from California to France. At the time, I thought it was an exciting adventure. I didn't, couldn't see all the ways in which this displacement would affect my very identity. We jumped right into French life after our year of language instruction. We ate like the French, watched French TV, and sang all the church songs in French. I went to a local public school and made friends who gave me the nickname L'Américaine, the American. After four years, we spent one year back in California, visiting supporting churches and family. My parents re-enrolled me in the same elementary school I had left for the sixth grade. It was my first experience with cultural identity whiplash. All of my friends had moved on without me and didn't seem eager to have me back. Everything that had once felt familiar now seemed foreign, and I walked through that year lonely and lost. The kids there called me Frenchie. We moved back to a different region of France after that, and I started over in a new school and tried to make new friends. I was grappling with my identity, not quite French, not American either. I lived in the in-between place, got comfortable with the pain of not having anywhere to belong. In high school, I attended a boarding school in Germany that aimed to prepare missionary kids for college in North America. For those happy years, I felt seen and understood by other cultural misfits, which was why it was doubly hard to return to California for 11th grade. By the time I moved to Michigan for college, I had been uprooted so many times, I was positive that I would never have a home and even more sure that I would never fit in. I felt forever out of place, a palm tree among pines, a cactus among roses. My life has been an exercise in trusting God, our master gardener, to help me thrive where he has planted me. Looking back, I can see that God brought me through seasons of drought and seasons of quenching Seasons where I was convinced I was planted in the wrong garden and seasons where my roots felt deep. Pruning that felt unfair and painful at the time has yielded unexpected fruit. I've developed a deep empathy for all of us who are struggling to find belonging. From the person in a new life stage to a person in a new city. From the new immigrant to the marginalized. From someone who's lost a job to someone who's lost a loved one. The hard good of my story is true for you too. We belong in God's unshakable kingdom, not to a place, not to a role, not to a career or to another person. God has planted us in his heart and the only roots worth growing are in him.
0: Our next hard good story is from Kristen Hatton and she talks about how the lessons in parenting have been hard, but good. When I think about the hard good,
2: for me, the hardest times and the times I feared the most have come in the trials, temptations, and struggles of my children. After all, you know the saying, you're only as happy as your least happy child. And yet, when I look back on some of those worst times, I'm truly thankful because of the way that God used those hardships to shape and grow, not just my kids, but me. There are a few trials in particular I would not want to relive and I would not wish on anyone, but I would also not undo the good that came from them. One of those that I've spoken and written about before. So I'll use it is when my daughter was in high school battling an eating disorder, which was a struggle that stemmed largely from how she saw herself compared to others. As her mom, I wanted nothing more than for her to rest in the truth about who God says she is. But I could not control, change, or fix anything, though certainly I tried. What I didn't expect is that through my daughter's eating disorder recovery, God had me in mind as much as he had her. After all, one person's sin and struggles is never just about him or her. God has a way of using other people's issues for our own sanctification or growth and good, and to His glory. Uh, Had my life remained problem-free, I would have never believed that. Because deep down, the notion I really held to was that God is good as long as He works according to my plan, my way, my timetable. But in my daughter's long, one-step-forward, two-steps-back journey, I was forced to face my idols of control, comfort, and ease, just as she had to reckon with hers. It's never easy to see our sin, but seeing our sin is good because until we do, we don't know how much we need a savior. So with the struggle, pain and worry also came the opportunity to grow in my own need of grace and dependence on God for all things. Never before had I prayed with such fervency for my child. I felt teary all the time and was humbly made aware that only God could change my daughter. But as her mom walking through the struggle with her i had limitless opportunities for heart level conversation that brought us closer in a way it seems only adversity does so those things we fear and try at all costs to avoid i get no parent wants to wade through difficult issues with their kids but sometimes the unavoidable things are god's grace to us and our child sometimes they are the very things he uses to draw us more to himself and lead us to greater compassion and grace for others as i see that he's done with me having been brought to a helpless and hopeless state in parenting is exactly what i needed and as hard as it was but to begin grasping that when i am weak then i am strong for his grace is sufficient for me and his power made perfect in my weakness now i can see more clearly though i still buck up against it and when trials and tears become opportunities of ministry and transformation for us and for our kids,
0: it is good. Our next hard good story is from Kimberly Campbell, and she's sharing with us how a broken ministry turned into something much more beautiful than she could have ever imagined.
3: My husband and I got married in 2011. Both being in full-time ministry, we had all the plans to stay in full-time ministry for the remainder of our lives together. But just two kids, two moves, and a few years later, we found ourselves unexpectedly out of full-time ministry. My husband had requested help from the elders of the church that we were a part of to help to fight sin and pursue holiness. And the elders chose to show more judgment than grace. So we found ourselves looking for a new place to do life. But here is how God was working then and is still at work today. Just a few weeks after knowing we weren't going to be at the church any longer, God provided a job and the only thing my husband wanted to do. He has been successful in that job now for seven years and not only successful, but really enjoys it as well and can use it to share the gospel with those he meets. I definitely can go more toward the cynical and bitter side of things. So the Spirit has been working diligently in my heart to rid those from my soul. My husband is constantly encouraging me to be truthful yet encouraging, especially when things may not be going the way I would like them to. He has grown me in mercy and grace about 15 years ago my mercy scale on the on the spiritual gift inventories would have been negative 400 negative something but now he has grown me in mercy and grace because the lord has shown me such mercy and grace when you find a false gospel you only really want the real thing the real gospel doesn't allow us to stay in our sinful patterns but pushes us on to being more like Christ through the Spirit's help and through lavish grace. Real grace is lavish. Real grace points us to Jesus and the life that he lived and the death that he died and the empty tomb all of which enable us to love God and be God's daughters forever. God has given me a heart for the hurting and ministry Oftentimes in ministry, we are called to act like we have it all together and not really be people who need to be shepherded, too. I love to use my table over cozy meals and deep, authentic conversations to listen and pour truth into women who have been hurt by other Christians. Women especially desire to be heard, and loved, and understood. They want people to hear them and love them, even if their stories aren't perfect. And that is what I want, that is what my friends want, and that's what I desire to do in our home, maybe over a cup of coffee at a local coffee shop, or even over a Marco Polo or a Vox with friends afar. I still struggle with love for the local church at times. I struggle with poor leadership, and I still find myself crying occasionally for the hurt and broken relationships we had all those years ago. But God continues to focus my heart on Him. He is still holding our marriage and our ministry together. And you know what? He rejoices over me. And for that, I greatly rejoice and know that he is not done with our lives.
0: Our next hard good story is from Heather Enright, who endured a loss of friendship that led to severe depression and anxiety. But through the hard, she was able to find the good.
4: I didn't see it coming. i had been feeling the joy of belonging to a group of friends I had known for years, which is no small thing for an army brat. The first blow came and I turned to these lasting friendships to sort through the situation. However, the shock of betrayal inflicted a deep sting, igniting an emotional unraveling. Within a span of three months, I felt stripped of relationships, positions of ministry, and roles that I had enjoyed for years and thus began a downward spiral leading to a two-year battle with deep depression and anxiety. Sowing in tears can come through death, divorce, health issues, betrayal, depression, and a whole host of inexplicable hard things. The sadness invaded and profoundly handicapped my ability to function. My wrought emotions were so fragile that I began to avoid social situations for fear of melting down emotionally. On more than one occasion, I walked into church with sunglasses on, only to leave quickly because I couldn't hold back the tears. Game days for my daughter were a mix of pride overshadowed by dread. I feared eye contact with those whose friendships had faded and I braced for being ignored. No one and no place felt safe emotionally except for my own home and family. The loss of roles and purpose ushered in long days of questioning everything. The end result of the downward spiral was a sense of paralysis and amputation from every place of belonging. I reverted to my old coping skill of writing long letters to God. Rather like a scolded child sitting with folded arms, I sought him out with stubborn anger. But God was at work through it all. He was revealing my shaky faith founded on self-righteousness, as well as my idols of self, approval from others, and fulfillment through performance. This lifelong church girl was brought face-to-face with my lack of understanding and believing in grace. In those years of severe depression and anxiety, I was being transformed. My awareness at the time, however, was only of the painful dismantling and demolition of lies and unbelief. I finally admitted to my doctor that I was constantly chasing away a fog that threatened to consume me, succeeding in various degrees depending on the day. Also a dear friend, he offered comfort and assurance as he asked questions and discussed options. Ultimately, he prescribed medication Thankfully, and by God's grace, within three months, the right medicine and dosage began to bring relief. It's been three years since the fog began to lift. And feeling like myself again, I realized how bad things had been and for how long. Now, in contrast, I feel renewed, restored, and redeemed to the point that I can authentically thank the Lord for that long, hard season. Mixed with this is a regret for the years that I claimed the name of Jesus, yet truly misunderstood him. In writing about the Father's heart of compassion in my latest book, I was undone again, though this time by the freedom and the joy discovered on the other side of struggle. Words can't articulate the spiritual transformation that were chiseled out by the tools of loss, betrayal, and tears from hard reckoning. It's humbling to admit that although i believed in Jesus my whole life, I've only more recently begun to understand and know Him deeply.
0: Our next hard good story is from Elena Barron, and she tells how God called them into something hard, turned it into good, then brought it to an end. Here's her story hi this is elena Barron, and this is
5: my heart good my husband and i have been in ministry the entire time we've been married 25 years and 10 years ago god called us and our 12 and 14 year old children to leave the life that we loved in the town that we loved in the ministry we loved to move to guatemala and be international ministries at an orphanage that we had become connected with and Absolutely loved. So we left everything that we knew, sold it all, and moved to a new country to follow God and this dream, this ministry he gave us. And it was wonderful and it was hard. It was hard for my children, it was hard for us, but our hearts were broken for the girls that we worked with and the people that we met. And God began to provide. He provided relationships with other missionaries that we had never dreamed of. He provided places for us to live and um, new experiences in working with Him that we would have never known to have asked for. And then, at the end of the two of two, only two years, it was gone. The ministry relationship was gone, and we found ourselves on an airplane the four of us with all of our belongings packed into eight suitcases, moving back to the United States. And all of us were in mourning. None of us wanted to do it and no one could understand it in the United States. Why weren't we glad to be back? We were heartbroken and grieving over this place that we loved. But God, once again, began to build our life and provide friends and new ministry and new people to love and new places to be a part of and he built it up and brought us more than we had had in the previous place of Guatemala our children saw that it was hard when we came back to the United States but God redeemed that and redeemed that in relationships that we saw and now Our children have this faith too. They know that following God is hard and it is scary. And sometimes it seems like a complete failure. But out of that, God teaches you that He will always provide. And that was not a failure in Guatemala, the things that he taught us there, the people he brought into our lives, the eye opening experiences of being in a third world country and seeing poverty and oppression firsthand for all of us, my children, my husband and I, is something we will never forget. And the relationships that we formed with missionaries and friends there are now partnerships that we have now in the ministry that God has brought us to. They are everlasting relationships. And now our children at ages 20 and 23, that is their testimony that God provides. It will be hard and it will be scary and sometimes it'll be sad, but he will always provide. So that is our hard good. It was all redeemed and beautiful, and we know to trust God with every moment of where He calls us.
0: Our next hard good story is from Courtney Doyle, as she tells us how God met her in the most unexpected place. portion of my story actually involves a man
6: that I don't even know. A couple of years ago, we were having a pretty hard season in our home. We had experienced a hurricane. I had undergone a cancer diagnosis. Our oldest son had been put in prison and our oldest daughter was leaving to go out of college nine hours away out of state. To say that my mama's heart was weary is an understatement. A couple of days before she was set to leave, we had to go to an automotive shop to get something on her car fixed. What we expected was one price, and then when we got there and they had reviewed it, they realized it was actually going to be double what we thought. Well, if you can imagine, or if you've ever sent a child off to college, you know that there's quite a few expenses that, that are being incurred at that time. So the guy could see in my face the frustration that, you know, it's double what we thought, And so he looked at me and he said, you know, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says that you need to trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding In all your ways submit to him and he will make your path straight. And I thought to myself, well, that's cute. You know, a Bible verse, but it's still going to be double the cost. And so he began to peck at the keyboard and create the invoice. And then he stopped again and he looked at me and he quoted another verse. And I'll be honest, I don't remember it. I just remember thinking, huh, okay, so you know a couple of Bible verses, bring it on. And he continued to work at the computer, and then he paused again, and he turned and very kindly looked at me, and he said, I'm sorry. He said, I'm the owner of the shop. He said, but I don't typically do the invoices, and my manager is out of town on vacation, so I'm filling in, so it's taking me a little bit longer. He said, my full-time job is in prison ministry. And I remember looking at him, and I said, what prison? And he named a few he said but i spend most of my time at this particular one and almost like a giddy child maybe he could see it in my face he said do you know someone there and i said my son it was the first time out of the safety of my home and my immediate family had i'd spoken the words to anyone my son and admitted that and he stopped and he looked at me And he said you have to know that with Jesus there is hope for him and there is a plan and a purpose he then proceeded to tell me of his story years of drug abuse criminal behavior that had landed him in prison and then in prison he found Jesus and he said when I walked out of that prison I knew that I would serve him for the rest of my life in prison ministry and I would teach others about him and so he asked for my son's name and he said, I'm going to find him. And I said, when you do, will you hug him and tell him that his mama loves him? A couple of weeks went by and I got a call from our son. And he said, Mom, a man by the name of Tim found me. And we talked all about Jesus. You see, that season of our life was so very hard. But God showed up. And he showed up in a automotive shop. With a man i didn't even know he showed up outside of those prison walls in my heart and he showed up inside those prison walls for my son and it was in that moment that though it was hard i could see the good in the beginning of the hard good book with lisa she says as you accept what you didn't ask for or want it changes you for the good and it's so true As Jesus showed up amidst that very hard season, he showed up in such good ways, providing strength and peace and purpose for the pain that we were enduring. You see, because what I accepted is that Jesus loves my son even more than I do. He sees him. He has a plan for him. And really what he was saying to me in that moment is, Courtney, do you trust me with him? And my response is, I do.
0: Our last hard good story is from Caitlin Rogers. Listen as she shares how she found good from the really difficult and hard.
7: The recent birth of my first child was the hardest and best thing I've ever endured. I prayed so hard to experience a natural childbirth, but at 42 weeks pregnant, the doctors decided to induce me. I had tried everything to go into labor on my own, and for some reason, it just wasn't working. Once I was induced, I experienced two hours of laboring on Pitocin without an epidural, followed by three hours of pushing with an epidural then I was rushed into an emergency c-section my baby's heart rate was dropping and I was losing a ton of blood within minutes of being rushed back my son was cut out of my stomach and we found out the umbilical cord had been wrapped around his neck twice the very thing I had prayed so hard against was the answer to my prayers had it not been for the emergency surgery I tried so hard to avoid my son may not have made it I may not have made it. God kept me from the labor I wanted to protect my son and deliver him safely. Now, the scar on my stomach reminds me of the hard, and the beautiful baby in my arms reminds me of the good.
0: Thanks for joining me for this special episode of Tedology today. I hope that something you heard really resonated with you, and you were able to identify with some of these hard good stories, you may still be in the middle of the hard. And if that's where you are, it's okay. I want to recommend Lisa's book, The Hard Good, to you. There's a link in the show notes where you can grab a quick copy of it, but it may be exactly what you need right now. Thanks for listening, friends. I would love for you to share this episode with a friend who might be going through a really difficult time right now. I'm sure it would bless them. Chatology has been a production of Angie Elkins Media. Show notes and production help from Caitlin Rogers. Music from the maestro himself, Robert Elkins. And as always, share Chatology with your friends and family and start a conversation that matters.